Yeah, tonight we're going to be in First uh, Corinthians chapter 1, and I have a new toy here, and I hope it'll work. Otherwise, we're going to wing it. But uh, So we're in First Corinthians chapter 1. Uh, my name is Tim. I'm older than I look. Uh, 31. That's pretty over the hill in my age, I think. But uh, if you have any problems with me, my dad is right here in the front row, so you can just take it up with him. <laughs> but uh, we're First Corinthians chapter 1, and... Um, Oh, I'm sorry, I forgot. Could somebody grab me water, please? James, anyone near the cafe? Bob, thank you. I'm f- sorry, I forgot in the back, and I'm just getting over this cold. Yeah, uh, yeah, sure. I don't know. I hate. I can't make decisions. I hate this. But uh, I'm just getting over a cold, so I'm a little raspy. Thank you, bro. Thank you. Okay, and the message is called, I don't know if it's up there, it's called, His Grace, Our Unity, and Your Calling. Now, um... Uh, I got the, the opportunity to teach through this chapter at Youth Group a couple months ago, and it took two whole Fridays, so hopefully it won't take two whole hours tonight. It's a little different, so <laughs> hope you had dinner. Um, but uh, like Owen said, uh, I started coming to church around nine years ago. I got saved about nine years ago. Are you right? What's that? Oh, Bibles, yeah. If you, The handsome guys are raising their hands. No, it's the other way around. You raise your hands, and the guys will bring you a Bible if you need it. Sorry, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm usually back in the booth pressing keys. But um, nine years ago, a little over nine years ago, the Lord saved me. Uh, it wasn't like this. Uh, it was a magical thing for me, really. But I was in uh, my bedroom at my mom's house, and uh, you know, I just cried out to the Lord one night after years of just doing my own thing, and uh, he saved me. And one of the first books that wasn't the first one, but I can remember a couple months, probably literally 10 years ago now, going through 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, and just like reading it and going, wow, like, not knowing what to make of it, but just that it was truth and just like soaking it up and, and uh, just really glad to be in the truth. Um, but the word will wash you. Like as we read through the word tonight and we go through it, uh, let it wash you. Let God's word wash you and go through your mind and, and change your perspective on things. And, and uh, hopefully, um, you know, we'll hear from, from the Lord tonight. Before we go any further, let's just pray real quick. Oh, real slow. I always say real quick, like I'm bothering you guys. Uh, uh, Heavenly Father, um, God, you're so good and so awesome that you would uh, call us here to know you and to, to hear your word and just to be a part of your plan and your purpose um, on this earth, God. None of us deserve it, God, and uh, it's just by your grace, Lord. Let me thank you for that. Uh, I just thank you for everyone here, and I pray that, God, you would speak, that Holy Spirit, you would just uh, fill me and, uh, and touch us and speak to us, God, uh, in your word. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. Cool. Uh, you guys have heard of Paul. Probably, if you've been around church around time, Paul he wrote uh, a large part of the the New Testament. Um, Corinthians. There's, I've heard that there's actually four letters of the Corinthians. You only have two. Um, I don't know. All we have is two, so that's all I can go by. Um, but he wrote this at the end of three years in Ephesus. Uh, so if you read Ephesians, that's kind of where he was at at the time. Uh, he became a believer when Jesus confronted him. Um, and you know, sometimes we think that uh, Jesus would never be hard on us or never would be you know, up in your face, you know, Jesus is my homeboy. He's my buddy. He's never going to, you know, call me out on something. Not so. That's how Paul got saved. Jesus confronted him on his horse. Paul gets knocked off, goes blind. You know, the story in Acts, you probably heard it. Um, you know, his whole life gets transformed. He goes from being a murderer of the church to an apostle of Christ and planting the church and writing the New Testament. Um, but that's how God works. It's, you know, it's not always this, this lovey-dovey thing. And, and the message tonight, uh, I don't think it's a hard one. I hope it doesn't come across. As a hard one. Um, I think it's, I was pretty encouraged by going through it, but uh, 
the, if the letter to the Corinthians is, is not a very nice letter when you get to it. Like Paul had some harsh things to say about them. Uh, if you go through Corinthians, you'll see that there's a lot of things going wrong in the church at the time. They're doing a lot of things messed up. And, you know, you might say, well, what else is new? You know, the church, we're pretty messed up. But um, it was written to the church in Corinth. And Corinth was a major port city, uh, similar to Ephesus. Um, it was a famous city. Uh, apparently it had three-quarter million people. Um, I looked it up on Wikipedia. That's about twice as much as Orange County. Uh, New York, if you can imagine, in a, in a much smaller area. Um, uh, and Corinth was a famous city at the time. Uh, you might know what it's famous for, but if you think of New York, what is New York famous for? It's a city that never... Pizza? Yeah, pizza. Yeah, pizza, yeah. You can't go anywhere below the Mason-Dixon and get a good slice of pizza. But uh, it's a city that never sleeps. Um, it's known for money, the financial district, Broadway, fashion. Um, Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love, right? Um, cheesesteaks. Some friends and I went day trip just to get cheesesteaks one time. Um, I was much thinner then. Um, <laughs> American history. You know, you can go and view with the founding fathers, the Constitution. What's the, con- you know, Constitution? What's that? What's that? No one knows what the Constitution is anymore. Um, but I digress. Um, Philadelphia cream cheese. Although I hear Philadelphia cream cheese isn't even from Philadelphia. Um, Hollywood. Movies. Famous people. Botox. Rich people. <laughs> Beverly Hills, you know, Hollywood was known for that. Las Vegas, Sin City, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, not really. Um, and then younger crowd might know Amsterdam because they're famous for drugs and just wild living without all the gambling. Uh, but Corinth was kind of similar to a lot of those. It was a port city, like I said. Um, there was a saying at the time to live like a Corinthian, like, yo, man, you're living like a Corinthian. Or let's go out and party like we're Corinthians. Maybe they said that, I don't know, but that's, the, that's, that's, the, that's what I get. Um, but it was known for wild partying and sexual immorality. And that had gotten into the church. And uh, that's not really where our message is going tonight. But know that this church was not like, you know, this like perfect looking church. This church was a messed up church. This church, they knew Jesus. They weren't that far removed from Christ actually walking on the earth. But they had a lot of problems. And I know I have a lot of problems. And I'm sure you guys have some problems. I know some of you and some of you have problems. But <laughs> we're in good company, I think. So uh, let's read the first two verses. Okay, so uh, verses 1 and 2. Um, Paul, called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sosthenes, our brother, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all who in every place call on the name of Je- uh, Jesus Christ, our Lord, both theirs and ours, grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. I went ahead already. But Paul says he's called to be an apostle. Called to be an apostle. That's his credentials. Through the will of God. Um, an apostle. They were uh, technically a witness of the, the resurrection. So some people go around and say they're apostles today. Maybe they've seen the resurrection. Maybe they haven't. I don't know. But it's also like you know some other Timothy, Barnabas, and Silas apparently were also referred to in the same light. Maybe as church planters. Um, but it, also, it was one that was sent forth with orders, a messenger, a delegate. And Paul is sent forth with orders from the Lord. Like when he got saved, eventually he goes to the wilderness, eventually God calls him to ministry, he goes on mystery journeys, he shares the gospel. And that's where we get most of the New Testament, like we talked about. But um, uh, Paul's calling was from God, it wasn't from man. You know, he didn't go like, to the mall and get like, an apostle you know, printout for you know, 50 bucks. I'm an apostle now, let me go out and let me write the New Testament. No, God called him to do it. God called him to do it. And it says that it was, um, you know, I, I think that that's what's important in anything we do. Is God asking us to do it, or is it just 
some man, some man asking us to do this. This is ourselves. This is our own desire. You know, if somebody asks you to do it and you don't really want to do it, but you do it anyway, eventually you'll probably stop doing it because eh, it wasn't really your idea. You didn't like it maybe in the first place. But um, when God calls you to do something, you almost can't escape it. Like we read of, uh, you know, all the old guys, Jonah in the Old Testament, where, you know, they kind of run away and uh, go away from God's plan, but you can't escape it, you know. It's burning up in their bones, one of the prophets said. Um, you know, but that's all you need. You don't need a qualification. You don't need a degree. I mean, those things may help, and they may give you an audience. But when God asks you to do something, that's all you really need. That's the only confirmation you need. Is God said to do it, that's all i got to do. That's, just got to do it. But what is the will of God? You know, we hear that a lot these days, like the will of God, the will of God. Um, John 3.16, For God's love the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I believe that's the will of God. It doesn't necessarily say will of God in there, but I believe that's his will. Um, and there's another verse, if you wanted to actually say the will of God, it says, For this is the will of God, that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, as free, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bondservants of God. And then also in First uh, Thessalonians 4, 3 through 8, I'm only going to read part of it. It says, For God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness. You know, that God's will is that we live a, a holy life, a proper life, a life, like his word says, clearly says, after him, after him. That doesn't mean that we need to clean up our own acts, because I'm sure we've all tried a million times, you know, whether it's smoking, whether it's drinking, whether it's cursing, whether it's just spending too much money, whatever it is, it's like, you just can't do it on your own. You can't stop it on your own unless, you know, you're out of those things and now you can't do them, you know. So that's, that's a different story. Um, but verse 2 says sanctified. And uh, to the believers that are sanctified, hagiazo, um, if you're Greek, I'm probably saying it wrong, to render or acknowledge or to separate from profane things and to dedicate to God, to consecrate things to God, to purify. And that's what the Lord did for me nine years ago. I've, you know, I've stumbled along the way. I haven't lived a perfect life. And um, I'm thankful that God is, is gracious through those things. But nine years ago, God separated me from my own ideas, from my own path, from my own walk, and separated me unto himself, just as a believer, just as, hey, you're screwed up. You need me. I can separate you. And immediately, things began to be different. Um, you know, if you're a believer, you're already sanctified. You're already set apart. Like, just the fact that you believe in Jesus and he's called you unto himself, you're separated already. You're already taking that first step in the sanctification uh, process. Um, like I said, we can't cleanse ourselves. It's only by coming to Christ that we can be continually made new, continually cleaned, continually taking those things away. But um, saints, you know, what's, that, what's the idea of a saint that first comes in your mind? Is it like the picture on your grandma's wall? Is it, you know, the, the statues in front of those churches, you know, where they have bingo night? It, like, what is a saint to you? Uh, the word saint here is hagios, and I read, you know, I'm not really big on Greek, but I thought it was interesting that these two words are very similar, they're related. And the word hagios means most holy thing, a saint. You know, that they're called with a purpose, called to be saints. You know, it's a calling to be a saint. It's a calling to be a believer. You know, a lot of times in the Christian, you know, we'll get into it, we talk about our calling as a believer, you know, to be a, a pastor or a worship leader or a missionary or you know, the guy on the cleaning ministry. Whatever it is, it's a calling. But the real calling is the calling of Jesus. It's what he's called us to be. Christians. His children. Um, but you see that saints are those, saints are those that are sanctified by Christ Jesus. We're made into that most holy thing. You know, these chairs that you're sitting on, 
you probably know they're not holy. Uh, maybe if you're in a different type of church where they had like the wooden chairs and like the little books and the thing where you kneel on it, you might think that these chairs are a little more holy than those black chairs they have there at Calvary Chapel. Like these chairs don't stay together. Um, you know, maybe that's more holy. Maybe this pulpit. Maybe you think this pulpit here. Sorry, oh, this pulpit is really holy. And this wood, no, it's not really holy. This position and speaking from here absolutely is holy. But this wood thing isn't holy. You know, what are the holy things of God? It's you and me. We're the holy things. We're the saints called by God to be sanctified. You know, it's not like, like Brandon, I think, was sharing during worship and praying that, like, you know, that's the holy things. Those are the things that God cares about. He doesn't care about this. He doesn't care about, you know, the chairs. He doesn't care about what kind of car you drive. He cares about where your heart is. He cares about, you know, are you in a right relationship with him? him. But I will go on 3 through 9. I'll read 3 again. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always concerning you uh, for the grace of God which was given to you by Christ Jesus, that you were enriched in everything by him in all utterance and in all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you come short in no gift, eagerly awaiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ who uh, will also confirm you to the end that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. You know, grace and peace, you know, those are major things in the New Testament. If you've heard any amount of teachings in, in some of these letters, you'll hear grace and peace. They always kind of go together. And, um, you know, if you've read Thessalonians, you're going to go, this sounds awfully a lot like Thessalonians. You know, Paul says, I thank my God continually for you. Uh, was Paul just copying and pasting? Was he just like, oh man, I got to write a letter to the Corinthians? Uh, let me pull up that one to the Thessalonians and copy and paste it real quick. Um, I don't think so. I think Paul was genuinely thankful for these guys. That every day, thankfully, continually, Lord, thank you for the Corinthian church, this church that's messed up and in sin and doing their own thing and pushing each other out of the way for communion and all this other crazy stuff. Thank you for them. I'm so glad that they they have the gospel. You know, and how, how, you know, we'll get to it later, but how often are we really the other way? God, I hate that person. Or I, you know, let me not talk. Oh, I just saw him at the mall. Let me not talk to him. You know, how are we, you know, a little different than that? Um, you know, we, we tend to get caught up in people's shortcomings, but, but Paul wasn't here. He'll, he'll talk to them about those shortcomings later, but he wasn't, like, caught up in them to where he didn't love them. You know, these things tend to divide us. You know, you all know, uh, maybe, what is... 2 Corinthians 5.17 If anyone, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Behold, all things have passed away, all things have become new. Uh, you know, I added a couple words there. But what are those verses before that? I think a lot of times we forget the verses, or maybe not even know the verses before that. 2 Corinthians 5.14 and 16 says, For the love of Christ compels us, because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves. Wow. But for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, check this out, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have, uh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Like, we don't regard anyone, I know that's like a thing, but like, we don't regard anyone according to the flesh anymore. We're not supposed to say, oh, this guy dresses like this, this guy works here, this guy went to this school, they, oh, they grew up there, I can't be friends with them. Paul's saying we're not supposed to uh, to speak of people that way anymore. We're supposed to regard them according to the way Christ regards them. And that's, he died for everybody on the cross. We're supposed to look at other believers, wow, Christ died for you. And this is hard, you know, unbelievers, wow, Christ died for you. 
how often do we want to kind of draw the line there? Um, you know, especially those who are called to be saints. Like, as other believers, we're in this together. You know, we're going to talk about unity, hopefully, a little bit later, if uh, I don't stop talking, that we're going to get to, you know, we're supposed to help each other out. We're supposed to be one in Christ. And, and part of that is regarding each other as Christ sees us, as his children, as saved, if we believe in him, as forgiven. And, uh, you know, not perfect, but sanctified. Um, but it says utterance and knowledge. You know, the Corinthians, they could talk the talk. You know, they had the Christianese down pat. You know, they had the stack of Christian devotionals on their bathroom. You know, they had, like, the Christian T-shirts. They had the hats. They had everything. Um, you know, they could have a spiritual conversation with you evenly. Uh, even, you know, maybe they knew even new verses. Um, but they had some things that were really messed up, you know. They had, on one hand, they had all this, like, spiritual-sounding things. On the other hand, they had all these parts in their life that just didn't match up. Um, and we're not going to get into that. That's a, that's a different, different teaching altogether. But these things tend to divide, but God's wisdom unifies. Uh, James 3.17 says, But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable. It's also gentle, willing to yield. That's a big one. Full of mercy and good fruits without partiality and without hypocrisy. You know, God's wisdom draws together. Man's wisdom tends to, to separate and say, I'm smarter or I'm better or you're, you're different or whatever. That's man's wisdom. But God's wisdom draws together and builds up. But verse 6, I think verse 6 is really interesting because it says that, uh, let me see, that even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, you know, how many times do we say, oh, this is my testimony? Or, oh, what's your testimony? Or, oh, we just met, what's your testimony? Or, you know, this person's going to share their testimony tonight. And that's good. That's good. But I thought it was interesting that it was applied to Jesus in this instance, where it says, the testimony of Christ confirmed in you. Um, you know, was in your life, in my life, in our church's life, was what was, excuse me, was what was said about Jesus true? Is the testimony of Christ, the things about Jesus in his life and his death and resurrection, and the things he spoke on earth and did, and the things that the Bible says, are they true? Are they examples in our life? Um, is he really God's son? Did he really die on the cross for our sins? Can he really forgive me and change me? And I think that's a big one. Like, you know, the whole, po- the whole point of Christ coming to earth, you know, the story of Christmas is so that he could die and rise again for our sins. And, and, and that's the fundamental one. Like, if you're a believer, that should be evident in our life somehow. Like, whether it's just a little bit, like the light was just turned on, you know, like nine years ago and I got saved and wow. Lord, you're the truth, the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to you but by the, by the Father. And it's like, that's it. You know, does he perform miracles? You know, are God's miracles evident in our lives, in our friends' lives, in our church's lives? And it doesn't necessarily have to be like, you know, like the stories you hear in the Bible where someone's dead and all of a sudden they're raised to life again. But spiritually, are there miracles going on in our lives? Like, is God providing for your needs? Is God healing people that you know that are sick? Is God bringing people to know him and and spiritually bringing them back to life, um, you know, that they're confirmed to them. Uh, It's not necessarily externals, like not necessarily the the Christianese or the T-shirts or these other things, like all those may be evidences of, you know, regeneration or rebirth, but are you different on the inside? Is your heart different? Is your outlook different? Are, you know, are you grieved over sin? Are you struggling with sin now as opposed to just, let's go to Las Vegas, you know? You know, Jesus had some harsh words for the uh, Pharisees and the scribes in Matthew 23, 27. He says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you religious people, you hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead men's bones and uncleanness. 
He's saying, you guys got all the, the right stuff on the outside, but on the inside, there's no evidence of my resurrection. You're a dead, you know, you're a dead person on the inside. You're a tomb. And, you know, I'm not saying that that's what we are tonight, but I'm saying that, you know, there should be that type of evidence in our lives. Like, is Christ's testimony lived out in our lives? Like, that's the heart of our testimonies, is Christ's testimony. But the point of that is that, you know, verse 7 is so that you come short and no gift. No gift. I think that's really cool. Um, spiritual gifts, we won't get into it because that's a long one. Uh, for, you know, for homework or whatever, um, you can read 1 Corinthians chapters 12, 13, and 14. It's a quick read. But it really clears up a lot of confusion about gifts, about spiritual gifts, about, you know, things the way things should be done, how they're ordered, you know, what are the, you know, the quote-unquote importance of them and how they work together. Um, I'll read a little bit. 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says, Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, gifts of healings, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. Is everyone an apostle? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healings? He takes the sarcasm there. Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you more excellent way. And that's when we get into the famous chapter of love, uh, you know, Corinthians 13. But the study on gifts and their use in the church is a great one. Like I said, it removes a lot of confusion that we see throughout Christianity in the church today. And, you know, it's really a wonder to me that more Christians don't just read 1 Corinthians. A lot of these issues that we have in the church and, you know, doing things out of order and in order and what does worship look like, what should teaching look like, what, how is this whole thing supposed to operate, it's kind of answered in a quick three chapters, and it's like, oh, that's pretty simple. Why are we so confused about it? Probably because we haven't read it. You know? And how often is that like, you know, uh, somebody and I were looking at this little like Scrabble game the other day, and we're like, you know, what do we do? And someone handed us the instructions. Oh, okay. You know, how often do we not just simply read the instructions? Um, but he says, so that you come short in no gift. You know, it's like saying you never reached your full potential. Like, Often, maybe you heard as a kid, like, you know, you're not living up to your potential. Well, I heard that a lot, and <laughs> whatever that means. Not from my parents, but it's like, you know, you have this potential. And I was like, whatever. Um, but it's like, <laughs> I still say that, I think. But, uh, you know, so that you come short and no gift, your full potential. Half-baked cookies, right? Half-baked cookies or unbaked cookies, they haven't reached their full potential. They're not a cookie, but they're really good, right? Cookie dough, cookie dough ice cream. You know, uh, my wife always makes these uh, cookies around Christmas and stuff. Always well, this first year, <laughs> but they're excellent. Like she makes them. I was like, I thought they were from a box or from scratch. Like she practically was out in the threshing floor in the back, like with a donkey, you know, grabbing eggs and stuff. But like I got to eat the dough, and she can't eat it because she's pregnant. So I'm like, all right, I'll eat it. But uh, you know, half baked cookies. That's fine. That's okay if cookies don't reach their potential. You can eat it. Or half baked steak. Um, some might call it medium or rare, and others will order it that way. The steak aficionados, like medium steaks, the way they have it. I think my dad, you get it like seared on one side. Like, like you always say, just kiss it in the, you know, just kiss it back there. And it's good. You know, like, like Dad, it's not cooked. <laughs> like, that's great. You know, like some people can have steak that way. Or sushi. Sushi's like the big thing. Ugh. No thanks. Raw fish, people. Ugh. Anyway. <laughs> but half-baked chicken. See? Half-baked chicken will kill you. Salmonella. Half-baked cookies? Mmm. Half-baked chicken? Ugh. You're dead. I think in the same way, if we come short in our spiritual gifts, 
we can die. If God said, hey, this is what I've got for you, and we're going, no, I don't want to get in the oven. I'm good. Um, I'm just going to hang out over here and let the bacteria grow and fester. and We're going to get sick, and we're going to die. And other people might go, hey, and they'll get sick too. Or other people might go, oh, look, you know, that's some pretty good cookie dough. Why don't you stay in the oven a little bit longer? You know, or I can see, like, you're, you're starting to cook and bake a little bit more, and you're starting to turn out into what God's calling you to be. And that's what Paul's concern here is that he sees this great potential in the Corinthians. And he sees them being half-baked and full of salmonella. And he says, guys, don't come short in your spiritual gifts. Don't come short in them. So, okay, that's great. How do we do that spiritually? You know, I can't just go home and stick my head in the oven and read the Bible while it's at 350. I'm not going to turn into, you know, a Christian that way. You know, we have to follow the calling of the Lord, become believers, and then listen for his calling as far as how he wants you to walk out that life as a believer. Um, and I think I have three. Yep, three. I don't know. But uh, three things. One is, how can we not come short in our gifts? By knowing what they are. Duh. You know, if you know what it is, you know, if you don't know what you're cooking, you don't know. I mean, I don't know. I'm saying I was cooking stuff. I have no idea how to cook. I can, like, make hot dogs on the foreman grill. That's about it. We have to know how to cook it. But spending time with God and hearing his call in your life. You know, ask God, God, what's your call for me? You know, what is your purpose for my life? Read the Bible and just what it says about, like Corinthians says, gifts, or what it says about talents, or what it says just in general. Um, examine your desires and your natural talents. You know, listen to what spiritual leaders might have to say about you. Uh, pay attention to the situations God is putting you in. You know, God's not putting me in any situations to play the guitar or sing because it would be horrible. It's probably almost as bad as listening to me share the gospel up here. But, it, like, for instance, if he's calling you to be a worship leader, you're probably going to have this, like, oh, I feel like God's calling me to learn a guitar or learn the, you know, half the instruments you guys play. Like, just find an alto or whatever in the basement. We'll take that one. But, um, but then, once you kind of hear that call, or even if you don't know, just be faithful in what you're given. But by being faithful in them and exercising them personally and publicly, you know, when asked to serve in any way, be willing to do it. Um, God will open doors for you. Um, you know, the first day I came to church, Owen didn't say, hey, can you, uh, can you come up and share today? I'm a little tired. No. I said, hey, have a seat in the back. You smell like smoke. No, he didn't say that. He didn't say that. So I was wearing like 50 gallons of uh, the stuff. You know, they won't know that I smoke still. But uh, I was so fried. Praise the Lord. But, uh, and it's, it's fine. You still smoke, whatever. That's not, that's not the point I'm making. But, uh, You'll get there. But, uh. Yeah, I did, yeah. I'm like, oh, wow, no one said anything. I must not have smelled. No, everyone's just nice. Uh, gracious. But, uh, Jesus is the one doing it in you, and he's the one who receives the glory for it. Like, you know, you're not going to be fighting and striving over it. Like, oh, God wants me to do this? Okay. I don't need to, like, you know, beat up Brandon to go, let me play, bro. Let me pray. You know, let me play, you know, because it would be horrible. And I think that's a lot of times, you know, a lot of times what happens in church. We look around and we say, we see what God's calling everyone else to do, and we don't know what God's called us to do. And so we attack other people and say, oh, I'm just going to take your position. Or I'm gonna, and you don't know what it entails. You don't know what time people get here in the morning or what, who shows up at their house in the middle of the night. You don't know what goes on with everything with that. Um, you know, and other times it's like, just be willing to serve. Like, what is that verse uh, that we read at James, was it 3.17, where it says, the wisdom of God is, is uh, willing to yield. So I say, okay, maybe I am called to that, but 
God's saying right now to go mop the bathroom. So that's what I'm going to do. Um, and the third part is to eagerly await the return of Jesus. And I don't think we're going to make it through this whole message tonight. So whatever. Uh, you'll find yourself occupied doing with what you're called to do until he returns. And um, I found that was the biggest joy in this last, like, um, six months, seven months of my life, you know, other than being married and having a baby on the way, but really just as far as, like, serving the Lord, like, you know, I don't know, Lord, what you have in store, but, you know, it doesn't really matter. I'm just happy to be doing anything for you right now, and, I'm, you know, I'll just, you know, put my hands to it, and, you know, if you have me doing this for a season, that's great. If you don't, that's great, too, but just to really just finally find joy in doing what's in front of you. Um, but, you know, it's your purpose in life. You know, what you... Your calling usually is what you couldn't imagine not doing for the Lord, especially if you've heard his call to do so. Like, once you know, like, you know, you're going to go, like, anything else is like, oh, man, like, yeah, that was, like, my favorite career choice, but now it's not that much fun, you know. Pay attention to what God says about the end times and be diligent to give yourself to the things that matter rather than living for the career or the relationship because God's coming back soon, guys. Like, you know that. You've heard that, but really, he's coming back soon. Like, everything is lining up. You know, it could be 50 years, but in the grand scheme of things, that's nothing. You know, we, we need to be faithful to the end. But it says that he's going to confirm us to the end, that we may be blameless. Like, we're going to screw up along the way. You know, you're not always going to do the most Christian thing and the most godly thing. But he's faithful. He's faithful. Uh, he's going to take care of you to the end. Um, all you have to do is repent and turn from your sin or, or just be obedient sometimes. Because when we turn to God, he has greater plans for us. Plans for this life and the next, you know. We tend to think of heaven as this, like, playing harps and floating around, and God is great. And yeah, I'm sure there's some evidence to that, but if we read Revelation or we read Ezekiel and you see all these different pictures of heaven, and it's like, wait a minute, there's a cube city that comes out of space, and it's New Jerusalem, and it orbits around the new earth? Is this like Star Trek? It's like, it's, it's some weird stuff, and you know, if you get it, I think that's why people don't get into it, because it sounds weird at first. But then you read it and go, that's, that's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, you're probably thinking, I'm weird now, and that's great, because you're right. But, uh, but God is faithful, you know. God, God is faithful. First lesson is 524. He who calls you is faithful, and he also will do it. You know, if God calls you, he's going to do it. You don't have to make it happen. You don't have to fight around and, you know, try and, you know, get on every committee and, and try and force your way into every meeting and say, hey, you know, God's called me to do this. Can you let me do this? No, it's just go around, serve, do what God's called you to do, and, and he'll make the way. You know, there's no making your own way in Christianity. Uh, Oswald Chambers, utmost for his highest, uh, went through it uh, last year, and it was just awesome. Um, and one of the things he said uh, about the end of the year was really just a blessing. Like, any failures, any uh, rough things that you've gone through in the past year or in your past, you know, it was kind of like this end of the year like message thing. And uh, it was saying, just to lay those problems on the bosom of Christ, on the heart of Christ, or, you know, kind of like John laying his head at, you know, the Last Supper, like, you know, on Jesus' you know, chest. Like, God, these are my failures. These are my things. And let him take care of it. Let him just put it in the past and keep it in the past. It's on him. It's on him. But he says here in this one, he says, In the natural life, our ambitions are our own. But in the Christian life, we have no goals of our own. We talk so much today about our decisions for Christ our determination to be Christians, and our decisions for this and that. But in the New Testament, the only aspect that is brought out is the compelling purpose of God. And he quotes John fifteen sixteen: You did not choose me, but I chose you. 
Like I'm saying, like there's, you know, we get strivings and, you know, all these other things that go on because we have these desires to do, do, do. And I made a decision for Christ. And how many decisions for Christ were there last week? And did you say the right prayer? And No, it's what is the purpose of God? To get people saved, to get the church healthy, and to get more people saved. It's like, that's it. It's the Bible. No, I mean, even deeper than that, it's really just no God. And that's, you know, kind of the fruit of all that. But Isaiah 64, 4 says, For since the beginning of the world, men have not heard nor perceived by the ear, neither have I seen, O God, besides thee, what he hath prepared for them that waited for him. Like, no one, you know, you don't know, I don't know, no one really knows the full extent of what God has prepared for us. And it's not, not just a thing, it's, O thee, God. How much God is for us, especially in the next life to come, in heaven and on earth. Like, how much does he just want to show up on our behalf? How much he just wants to go before us like our father and, and take care of the things that we can't handle. I can't handle a lot of things. I'm pretty like, well, I don't know what to do. Okay, God, what do you want to do? And then, you know, I hear him, and then I still don't know what to do because I'm silly. But it's like, how much more does God want to show up on our behalf and go before us and protect us and, and just give us the answers? You know, it's like he doesn't want it to be this struggle per se. Like, it's going to be a struggle. Like, the Christian life is full of trials and struggles, but he just wants us to come to him. And, you know, it may be a struggle. It may take a while to get an answer, but that's really what he wants. It's just us to come to him. But uh, let's go on. Let's read a couple more verses. See how far we can get. Uh, 10 through 13. Okay, uh, before we read this, just pretend Owen's hugging you. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. Now I plead with you, brethren. Um, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and the same judgment. For it has been declared to me concerning you, my brethren, by those of Chloe's household, that there are contentions among you. Now I say this, that each of you says, I am of Paul, or I am of Apollos, or I am of Cephas, or I am of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? We'll stop there. The early churches, uh, like many churches of persecution, tended to mainly meet in houses. You know, uh, you know, you read through uh, the New Testament, you hear like the church in this house, the church in that house, because there was a lot of persecution. Um, you know, from week to week, you read like Voice of the Martyrs, like they have to meet in a house. You know, it's illegal in Cuba to have a gathering more of three people at any one time. Doesn't matter what it is, and yet these Christian pastors still do it in their home with fear of jail and everything. And it's like couple guys we get together on monday nights most monday nights we have a bible study and it's like there's like four or five of us sometimes less sometimes more and it's like this is would be totally illegal in cuba and yet here in middletown whatever no one pays blind unless we park on the street past 11 but you know but um you know paul pleads in jesus's name he's saying look please listen to me as you would to jesus why like why would he like appeal to, to the name of jesus in this because they're wrapped up in earthly names. You know, we like name dropping. You know, what kind of clothes you're wearing, what kind of shoes you got, what kind of car you have. Oh, I got the new iPod. Oh, yeah, Steve Jobs is the man. Or, oh, you know, I voted for so-and-so. You know, it's like there's this guy in Middletown who has the name of a candidate all over his car. He's got the custom license plate and all these other things. It's like, wow, like, okay, like, he really thinks this guy is his savior. But he likes, name, you know, name dropping. But Paul's saying he's bringing them back to Jesus because... Where do we get our true identity? Is it in the Mark Echo clothes, or I don't know, if it's shop at Kohl's, but or you know, is it the, you know, the bands you like? Is it you know, this is really, 
I guess, good for the youth, but it's good for us too. Like, is it the job you have, the car you drive, you know, is it all this stuff? Like, is that really who you are, who we are? No, I mean, there's nothing wrong with those things necessarily, but do they define us? He says, in the name of Jesus, speak the same thing. Doctrinally, have the same thoughts, the same minds for one another, what the Bible says. Believe the same thing. Believe what the Bible says. Don't get all split up. You know, there's essentials and not essentials. Like, you know, you guys have might have seen before, that's the example of like essentials. You have two fists, right? And one fist is, is closed, and that's, you know, doctrine, essentials. And the other hand, fist is open. And this is, you know, uh, I'm blanking out here, but methods, that's it. So you have one hand, you're going to keep your, your fist tightly closed. This is what the Bible says. It says nothing different. I'm not going to squeeze some Dr. Phil in there. Not what Oprah says. Not what I saw that was cute on Pinterest the other day. I'm not going to stick it in there. You know, uh, and then the other hand is methods. Style of music, style of teaching, style of clothes. This building has no steeple. You know, there's no, like, what's this thing? Here are the people. There's no steeple here. You know, methods. You know, as long as these methods don't contradict with this fist, this doctrine, you're good. You know, if this method says, hey, you know, let's bring in some alcohol and some drugs and we'll read the Bible, and that's Satan. That's not doctrine. The Bible says stay away from sorcery. You know, stay away from that stuff. But methods don't matter. And we tend to, like, in Christianity, we tend to go, oh, we look at this other open hand that's, like, just full of whatever pocket lint is trendy at the time. And we tend to get divided over that, and we forget, you know, what's in the, the doctrine hand, what's really important. You know, essential, how are we saved? Uh, not essential. Does the rapture really happen before the tribulation? Is the Antichrist really, has he shown up yet? It's important, but is it essential? No. Um, essential, is Jesus really God? Absolutely essential. You know, not essential. Who wrote Hebrews? <laughs> God! I don't know. Is the... Is the Bible 100% correct? Yes. Say it like, say like we believe it. Yes. The Bible is 100% correct. Not essential. Can you play drums in church? I don't know. I can't. So, <laughs> you know, um, in my opinion, though, and it's in a way, they're kind of all essential. They're all essential. Well, what's really important, though? Like, what are the really important things? You know, for me personally, there are things that are absolutely essential that I cannot even, like, secular music, I can't really even listen to just because God called me out of it. And, you know, I just, it just sends my mind off in weird directions. While other people can listen to it, and they're perfectly strong believers, and I even look up to them. And it's like, okay, it just, I just can't. It's not like it's this clear and dry, cut and dry thing. But for me, it's, it's an essential. It just, I know I'm kind of starting to, to go off the path when I'm, I'm seeking my comfort in those things. Um, but verse 10 says, no divisions among you. Um, same mind, perfectly, and same judgment. You know, we need to agree on the essentials. And it agree to disagree, you know, that's a very modern saying, on non-essentials. Um, and the problem here is that the church got clicky. You know, it's kind of like in high school. I remember, like, moving from lunch table to lunch table through the years as different cliques formed and, and managed. And the church got very clicky. They were like, oh, like, you go to Chloe's house? Like, our Bible study's way better, you know. You know, we have uh, bruschetta, or I don't know. <laughs> you know, well, we go to worship at Taikika's house, you know. It's way cooler, man. Way cooler. They have Nintendo Wii. You know, you know. This is, I'm teaching the wrong crowd tonight. I think <laughs> this should be like junior high. They have elect. You know, uh, you know. Would Billy Graham baptize me? He didn't. But I'm saying, like, I'm sure someone out there could say Billy Graham baptized me. Um, or oh, Dr. Charles Stanley signed my Bible. Look, two guy who showed up at my doorstep. Thanks for showing up. <laughs> no, he didn't sign it. But did Greg Laurie? You know, Greg Greg Laurie ate something out of my refrigerator. Our Bible study is way cooler. You know, they got, like, seriously, 
Like Paul's saying, seriously, guys, like Jesus died on the cross for us and you're worried about all these silly little things. Um, you know, denominations, you know, defined by a name or value. You know, we all, we all know money or think we know money. Money is classified in denominations, $1, $5, $10, 50 100 coins, all that stuff. Some of us see more or less of certain denominations. <laughs> I thought it was funny. But, uh, you know, there's First Baptist. All right, I'm gonna, I had a list, but I, I'm going to go on this list. I, I, I had some free time at work today, and I, I just went uh, to my favorite search engine, and I typed in list of modern denominations. And uh, I went to that encyclopedia. That's a free encyclopedia. I'm not going to give them advertising. <laughs> you know what it is, Wikipedia. But uh, just to name a few, Apostolic Lutheran Church of America. Lutheran Church of Central Africa Zambia Conference. And let me just preface this, or pre- I don't know, preface it, that I'm not making fun of these people. I'm just saying, like, there was, it was like you could scroll. And, you know, I have a big monitor at work, and you can scroll. It's like, you know, all these denominations. And it was just the Protestant ones. But uh, Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod, United States. Evangelical Lutheran Church in Canada. Uh, Latvian Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. Anglican Episcopal Church of Brazil. How do they get down there? Church in the province of the West Indies. Christian Episcopal Church. Anglican province of Christ the King. I'm sure, there's believers. I hope there's believers in these churches. But I'm saying, Paul says, I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. What's going on? What's going on? Why do we have all these divisions? Why do we have all these separations? You know, whether it's out of the church, whether it's in the church. You know, whether it's, in, oh, I'm not sitting on that side of the sanctuary, or I'm going to second service because... You know who goes to first service, or you know, you know, you know what just happened. You know what so and so did, or where they left, or where they're going, or where they're from, or you know, I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, how about if Jesus is our Lord, then we're all part of the church. Again, doctrine methods like if their doctrine is out there, I wouldn't consider them part of the church. You know, but if our essentials are essentially equal, let's worship and serve together. You know, no church is perfect. You know, read Revelation and the rest of the New Testament, um, largely written to churches, and uh, Jesus is actively working in them all. If not through them, he's trying to reach them. I think the same is today. Um, I'm not saying denominations are bad. I'm just saying these endless, like, quarrels and endless divisions of, oh, no, we can't do anything with them uh, just because their different name is, is, is a problem. You know, because there's good division and there's bad division. Um, I was coming home on the throughway today, and I, I, I love it that there's no traffic. I don't, I'm like, don't people go back to work now? Why isn't everyone at work? Why is there no traffic? Um, but uh, this new song from Charlie Hall is Kingdom. It says, this is the war that's already won. So why are we fighting when we should be singing of what love's done that it's already won? Like, you know, if the war's already won, why are we fighting each other? You know, we should be singing. You know, there's good parts of division. There's siblings. There's different personalities. Uh, you know, there's different movies to see or channels to put on the TV. Maybe that's a good division. I don't know. Uh, it's all the same nowadays. But husband and wife, a division. Men and women. You know, even taste. You know, you got five senses. Um, you know, there's God's trinity. There's a division, in a sense, in the trinity. There's different parts, but they're all unified. Um, and how to prevent this, I think, maybe. Uh, don't water down the word, as I have some water. What does the Bible say? That's what it says. You know, uh, gap theory, all this other stuff. Well, I don't know. The book, Jesus said six days, created earth, seven day rested. That's what it says. You know, it says that, you know, Christ died once for all, that all might live. That's what it says. Don't follow a man or a name more than God. 
And I think a lot of times we tend to do that. Like, what book are we reading, or what church we go to, or what you know, who's our favorite pastor? Um, I'm sure they would be like, "Oh, just let it be Jesus." Um, it's good to have people lead you who are following God, but make the make it Jesus' name, the name that we identify with, not like Calvary Chapel, but Jesus. Uh, know the Bible for yourself. That's a big one. Like you know, you read about all the the, the undignified part of church history. It's because the church kept people from knowing the Bible. But it's like, if you know the Bible, you're going to go, wait a minute. Like Paul said to the Bereans, like you go home and check and make sure I'm not totally whack. Like, do that. I'm sure I said plenty of whack things tonight. It's like, do we know the Bible for ourselves? Um, seek to be unified with other believers. Seek to, you know, even just on the surface, like, oh, you're, you're a believer too? Um, you know, we can be friends. I mean, maybe you're not close, but there's no like, oh, he doesn't go to my church or he goes to church in a different state or whatever it is. There should be a unity there. Um, I was going to say something, but it fell on my head, so it's okay. Get involved with a good church, you know. Get involved. Get involved. Have, that's what I was going to say. Have fellowship. Like, there's a, a scripture that says that a man who isolates himself seeks his own will. I think it's Proverbs. And uh, the whole, I guess the point of it that comes across to me is that it's like, when I want to do my own thing, I start going my own way, I start going away, and I'm, all of a sudden I'm isolated from everything that matters to me. And as believers, we can do that too. It's like, and I think Hebrews also says, you know, don't forsake, maybe it's Hebrews, uh, don't forsake together the gathering together with the brethren. Like, don't stop coming to church, you know. Being at home and watching a church online is good. Like, you know, I was sick on Sunday, and I listened to uh, a message by Brian Broderson, and it was great. But I was sick, and I was home. It wasn't like, this is where I'm getting my, my uh, you know, my main teaching from, or, you know, my fellowship from. I can't fellowship with the video recorded last week. Like, you know, come here, come, or any church, and just get some fellowship. Or like when believers ask you to hang out, make an effort. If you don't like them, hang out with them once, then hang out with different believers. It doesn't matter. Just make sure you have believers who are around you. Because we can't do it alone. But I've been going along. How long is this message? Ed, what was it saying there? Oh, 15 minutes? Great. What's that? Oh, five minutes? Okay. <laughs> five minutes? Thanks, Tito. In that case, we're going to do the whole book. That's all right. I'll really be winging it. Okay, so let's go. Let's just do a couple more verses. You guys are, you guys can put up with me. My dad's in the front. Instead, take it up with him. So, <laughs> verse fourteen. I thank God that I baptized none of you except uh, Rice Krispies, Crispus and Gaius, lest anyone should say that I had baptized in my own name. Yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanus. Besides, I do not know whether I baptized uh, any other, um, lest anyone should say that I baptized in my own name. Like. Rumors, distorting facts to push your own agenda all cause division. Paul refrained from doing certain things, like even good things like baptism, so that there wouldn't be a reason. So someone couldn't say, you know, I have this reason for division now. He was like, I'm not even baptizing people because I don't want you to be like, I'm a Paul and I'm an Apollos. Like, he refrained from even doing good things. Um, but as we'll read in the next verse in a minute, that he kept his primary call to focus. Paul was so focused on what God had called him to do, the share of the gospel, that even things like baptizing people got in the way of that in a sense. Like, there's plenty of other people out there who can dunk your head underwater and pray for you. Paul was like, I need to get the gospel out. Um, and not that, you know, I'm not trying to belittle baptism at all, so please don't take me wrong in there. Um, you know, 1 Corinthians 8.13, he says later on, Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never again eat meat, lest I make my brother stumble. You know, that's a whole other topic, but Paul was very concerned about what he did to make sure that people were on the right track. Um, spiritually. Um, like I said, we get off track from our primary calling 
uh, and we lead others astray and cause divisions, but it's really us who suffer. Like when we start ignoring God's call in our life, it's really us who suffer. We're the one who gets swallowed by the whale or, you know, all sorts of things. But baptism, you know, we won't go into it, but, uh, you know, there's a lot of good, different types of baptism. Uh, Paul's talking about the one after you get saved to wash your conscience. Uh, it doesn't save you. And that's why Paul didn't really, I mean, Paul cared about it, but his goal was to share the gospel because baptism doesn't save. The gospel of Jesus Christ saves. The fact that Jesus died on the cross and rose again and uh, forgave us for our sins, that's the only thing that can save you. You know, doing this, First Peter, Peter says, 3.21 says, there is also an antitype which now saves us, not like salvation, but baptism. Not the removal of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That like baptism is just this answer towards God, this cleansing of your mind. Like, wow, like I died and I know that I'm a believer because I have this solid point in my mind when, when I was baptized. Um, and we won't get into child baptism and all these other things, but as a, a, a decision. Um, it wasn't Paul's claim to fame who he baptized, or how many people he baptized. It wasn't like, come to Paul's baptism ministry, and, you know, he'll sign your, you know, your wet shirt, or whatever. It wasn't like Paul's claim to fame. It was the gospel. Um, you know, I've been blessed to be a part of uh, several different baptisms here, and, uh, you know, just to be a part of that is an awesome thing, but that's what it is. Um, it's a part of it. You know, part of someone else's spiritual decision. Um, you know, and if you're a believer in here, and you haven't been baptized... Go get baptized. I'm sure someone will baptize you tonight or next week if you're brave enough to go in the cult. Um, or, you know, just read about it. Read in the scriptures, but I encourage you to make that decision. And uh, let's go on. Verse 17. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. Um, and we'll finish with this verse. Paul knew his main calling was to tell people about Jesus, like we said. Uh, the gospel message saves people. Um, I think maybe part of Paul's mind in this was, you know, there's deadlines. He's talking about the return of Christ. And how often do we have, like, a deadline at work or, you know, we have five minutes till service starts or, you know, i got to get there by a certain time. And we cut out all the, the non-essentials. Like, you know, I gotta, I'm running late, so I'm not going to stop and get coffee in the morning. Or um, i got this project to do for work, so I'm not going to do all the frilly stuff. I'm just going to get it done um, at the point. I think in, in some way Paul was saying that, like, Jesus coming back, what was the most important thing for him to do was to fulfill his calling and to share the gospel. It wasn't necessarily going out and uh, baptizing people. It was spreading the gospel, missions trips, writing the New Testament, uh, writing the churches, caring for the churches, and people in the churches would then baptize. And uh, um, Psalm ninety twelve says, So teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Um, you know, that's the most important thing is that each and every one of us is saved. Now we come to know Jesus. That is God's primary call. Uh, on all of us. But um, on top of that, it's, it's getting the gospel out, whether it's by cleaning the toilets or by um, leading us in worship or by teaching the message or by sharing with people at work. Um, that's the primary call because time is short. You know, we don't have time for all these like frilly arguments about drums and clothes and, and uh, you know, and all these other things that, yeah, there, there's a thing you should wear and you shouldn't wear at a church, but, or anywhere really. But, you know, it surprises me. But um, guys and girls. But it's like, What's most important? What's most important? You know, with Jesus coming back, what's most important? Um, he says, uh, excuse me, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. Um, he, Paul was a smart guy. You all know, he went, to, you know, he was like the Saint, was a Sanhedrin. Uh, he was, 
you know, under Gamaliel. He was this really, like, learned guy. And uh, he didn't come out with, you know, some of you read some of this stuff and you go, wow, that's deep. But he wasn't using, like, every word in the dictionary trying to impress you. Like, if you use the word, it was on purpose to get you to get the deeper meaning of it. Um, it wasn't like these fancy, swelling, puffed-up words. It was just um, trying to get his point across. And his points are very succinct. And it's like, fancy words are going are gonna to ruin the simplicity of the gospel. Like, there's nothing more simple than God came as a man, you know, on earth as a baby in a manger in a dirty place, you know, grew up, lived a holy life, was beaten to death on a cross, and then he died and came back to life so that we could have forgiveness of our sins, and now he sits at the right hand of the Father. You know, that, I mean, I probably made it way more complicated than it needs to be, other than God loves you. He loves you. And that's simple. It's not, you know, let me get my five points out. Let me get, um, let me make sure I got every word in the Greek, you know, pronounced correctly in the swelling message. But God loves you. He's called you. He has a plan for your life. Part of it's in unity and working together to, to be a part of him. And, and that's it. You know, that's it. It's not complicated. I think a lot of times, especially like in the world, like we think we have to have this complicated answer for people, um, maybe because they're looking for a complicated answer, maybe because we feel like our answers aren't good enough or we're not smart enough, um, or we don't, we don't know enough of the Bible. It's like, you just know Jesus. That's all that matters. You know, if you know one verse or you know no verses, if you know Jesus, God can use that and will use that, you know. Yeah, I think I shared more with my friends when I first got saved, knew none of the Bible, and my life was totally a mess then. I did like a year and a half later, you know, and, you know, God will do with it what he will. Um, and that's the thing. I think, you know, with God's grace, um, our unity and uh, our own calling, it's like, it's simple. It's God's answer is usually a lot more simple, you know, the, than we think it is. Sometimes we think it's going to be this big, complicated plan, but it's really just what's right in front of you. You know, what has God asked you to do today? What is God calling you to do? Um, you know. If it's just know him, if it's knowing, if it's not, then walk with him. But uh, um, let's pray. Let's pray real quick. Thanks for listening, guys. Uh, Lord, uh, thank you so much just for your grace and your calling us. And God, I pray that you'd help us to keep things simple. Um, as it said, to keep the main thing the main thing, just uh, to love you and to know you. And um, God, that any divisions that have come up in our hearts towards each other and the church, God, I just ask that you would uh, just remove them and heal them and uh, just help us to be your body, your hands and uh, hands and feet, and really just do what you're calling us to do. In Jesus' name, amen.